0: Today's episode of That Song from That Movie is coming up after this.
1: Hi everyone, I'm Ariel Cooksey, host of Malice. When violent acts occur, we tend to think the predators are monsters. Surely no human could do
0: such things. But if we're honest, only humans commit malicious crime. And if you're like me, you want to know why. To find out, join me at Malice, wherever you listen to podcasts. Bye.
1: Okay, I'll be honest, most people haven't seen Casablanca, but you will have definitely heard the song, and this week we do actually crack some decent jokes, so that should be enough for another episode of that song from that movie. Of all the gin joints in all the bars in all the world, or something like that... <laughs> There were so many things wrong with that. I, I
0: almost started to have a migraine about halfway through. I thought yours was better. Yours was definitely I better. I preferred be. that. I liked that as an intro. Yeah, stick with it.
1: <laughs> I actually quite liked it. Okay, what do you say, they had to walk into mine? I and mean, then I'll just cut it all together. They had to walk into mine.
0: Oh. She had to walk into mine.
1: <laughs> she walked into her what? <laughs> she walked into mine. This is an absolute train wreck of an opening. <laughs> <laughs> of all the
0: gin joints in all the towns in all the world, she walks into mine.
1: Thank you for joining that song from that movie, the journey through the very best and worst of movie songs. I am your, you must remember this host, Dietrich, and we're joined by the man who is a kiss, who's still a kiss, Alex. <laughs> is, this, is that like a ki is that like
0: member of the kiss army? If you want it to be, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I was never a member. But I'm happy to accept invitation if uh, the guys want to get in touch. How many How many members of Kiss can you name? Uh, four. Oh, four? <laughs> Is it four? Ooh, all of them. Name them. <laughs> okay, so Gene Simmons. Yep. Peter Chris. <laughs> yeah. Paul Stanley. And the other one's like Ace Freely or something like that. Something Freely. I wanted the nicknames. Oh, you wanted the nicknames. Well, one of them's Starchild.
1: <laughs> one of them's the cat. One of them's the demon and one of them's the spaceman or starman and then alex and then me <laughs> and we're also joined by a sigh who's just a sigh ben oh, i prefer to be the case there's no band called sigh oh i can be the so the korean pop star sigh simon and garfunkel mm, how many
0: members of simon and garfunkel can you name alex <laughs> none
1: <laughs> how are you both today yeah good good how are you d all right, it's been a while since we recorded. Yeah, I know, it's weird. So,
0: can I get back into it? The Anxiety has returned. The Prep Anxiety. That sounds like a band, Ben. Maybe that could be a band. Yeah, I could be part of Prep Anxiety, yeah. Some sort <laughs> of, like, weird angst punk band singing their number two hit, Sigh.
1: I'm so sorry. Watch any films
0: recently? I have, seen, I have seen some films. I watched Watchmen, the film, because I started to watch the TV series. And I also watched the first hour of enola holmes and i won't be returning for the second <laughs> to be fair my wife fell asleep but that wasn't the well i mean that's that's kind of why we turned off i mean she fell asleep because it wasn't very good i imagine not because she was tired probably a bit of A. Colin B. situation but yeah it wasn't great i don't know if you guys have seen it i keep putting it off. i would just keep doing that for the rest of your life <laughs> <laughs> do that with many films to be fair so that's fine I saw a great film, because I went to the cinema, which was a nice experience for once, because it's been forever since I've been. And I went to see the IMAX re-release of Akira, Ooh. which was pretty cool. And it was a nice, spacious, enough pe- enough people where you're like, I'm glad the cinema is doing okay, while not being, there's too many people too close to me. So it was a nice balance. So there was actually a decent turnout? Yeah, it was a decent turnout. I don't think there was anyone else at the cinema who wasn't going to see that film, I mean, there was other films on, but I think that kind of paints the sorry picture of what the (laughs) current cinema industry is like. But yeah, it's a great film. No song, though. Was there a song in all the homes, Alex? Uh, Not that I
1: remember. There was plenty in Watchmen, though. Watchmen's got a very good soundtrack. Oh, yeah, it has, yeah. My Chemical Romance. Amongst other things, yeah. I watched a film with lots of songs in, and we probably will end up talking about one day. Frozen 2. First time you saw Frozen 2? It was the first time in forever. (laughs) Oh, wow. It was like, I set you up. If only it was in the second film.
0: I know, I was going to say, that's the only one. I point. only remember the one song from the second film. Is it Into the Unknown? Yes. Apparently you get the disco version. It was the one in the middle where Olaf sings, which was quite good. What was it? It's like, it's like, he's just starting to realise what it's like being grown up or something. I can't quite remember.
1: Yeah, you're right, I can't remember how it goes. No. I think that sort of says quite a lot about the film. (laughs) Can't say a song is good
0: and then not remember it. Well, I remember when I'm watching it, I was like, oh, this is quite a funny song. But I don't remember it being catchy, I remember it being quite funny.
1: Yeah, equally, I remember liking uh, Christoph. is that his name? Oh, yeah, when he does the boy band number, kind of, in the middle, yeah. Generally, I thought the movie wasn't very good, to be honest. No, Uh, The only bit I actually really enjoyed was when Olaf recaps the first film and the first hour of the second film. I also watched Guy Ritchie's The Gentleman. I
0: started watching that and I think I stopped because, in a similar vein to Alex, my wife fell asleep. Is it worth keeping going? No. Okay, done. Hugh Grant's performance is the only good
1: bit of that film, in my opinion.
0: I like this uh, sort of new renaissance of Hugh Grant where he's just
1: taking non-Hugh Grant-based roles. He's the best thing about Paddington, too. He is absolutely amazing. Everything is equally the best thing because it is a near masterpiece of a film. (laughs) Okay. You don't find me arguing. This isn't a Paddington Tea podcast. We'll have to see what it says on the subreddit. Okay, so today's episode is Dooley Wilson's As Time Goes By from Casablanca. To find out what was happening in the world when the movie came out, over to you, Ben. Yeah, I think this might be the furthest we've gone back so far. So we're going all the way back to
0: November 1942. Looking at the news at this time, much of it was dominated by a, a little event that I have personally coined, World War Two. So Franklin Delano Roosevelt, the American president at the time, became the first president to ever do a broadcast in another language. Any guesses what? French? English. Japanese? <laughs> in another language, English. It was French, Alex, yes. I would never have guessed that, and I can't remember why. Why it was French? Why did it in French? Presumably it was because something to do with the French alliance. I don't know. And I can only imagine it was a terrible French accent in other news. The Church of England abolished the rule stating that women must wear hats in church, leading to short men in the back row applauding.
1: (laughs) Harpies. How are men supposed to worship God if their heads are on show? The women's heads, not the men's heads.
0: I wonder why there was the rule that women had to wear hats. I mean, none of us are very religious people, but I'm just wondering. To keep the devil from their brains? Yep, I forgot the, the opening line of the Bible. Keep your hats <laughs> on, ladies. This is going to be a bumpy ride. <laughs> in very topical news, Joe Biden was born in Scranton, Pennsylvania. It's very topical. Also shows just how old Joe Biden is. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Christ. It really
1: does. Born in Scranton? He was born in Scranton, yes. At the, oh God,
0: office, <laughs> office. <laughs> the electric city. And just for you guys... I scoured the internet, (laughs) and I apologise to anyone of Polynesian descent as I butcher this name, but Afa Anawi, professional wrestler and uncle to the likes of Yokozuna and Roman Reigns was born. (laughs) D was the one who put that on Wikipedia. (laughs) So I'll keep the wrestling pattern going. But yes, the best news of this time was obviously that the film Casablanca came out. So for those unaware, Casablanca is a 1942 wartime romantic thriller directed by Michael Curtiz, which I will always remember because and you two were here at this point there's a place called fab cafe in leeds and there was a question for the prize to win i think it was like 50 quid and i went up my raffle ticket came out it was a movie question and everyone looked at me like ben knows films he'll know the answer and the question was who directed casablanca and i didn't know and it still sticks with me it haunts me it might be one of the worst lowest points of my life sounds like you lived a pretty good life ben <laughs> Anyway, so the film starring Humphrey Bogart and Ingrid Bergman, in which Rick Blaine, played by Bogart, discovers his old fame, Ilsa is in town with her husband, a famed revolutionary and thorn in the Nazi side. With Germans on their tail, Ilsa knows Rick may be one of the few people who can help them escape from Casablanca. Now, D, I think, if I'm right, you've not seen this film, correct? Correct. So once I get rid of the shame that that holds.
1: Whoa, Dee- whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> oh, shame. I'm righteous, Ben. I'm righteous. I'm not going to stand here and let you present some artsy-fartsy film critic scientific argument based on facts. I'm just a regular dude. I love my family. Rock flag and eagle, right, Ben?
0: <laughs> well, I thought you were going to go to playing and automobiles. <laughs> <that>. <laughs> yeah, I like me. My friends like me. I was only you may I was only
1: going to ask you, what do you know of the film? <laughs> I think Roger Ebert put it best when he said that Citizen Kane. Might be the greater film, but Casablanca is the more loved.
0: <laughs> that is true. It is, it is also very scary. I had a weird moment there where I almost felt like checking. Are you looking at my notes? <laughs> is, are you, is, have I got remote management on my computer? Is there some? Am I sharing my screen? Do you actually know anything about the
1: film? Uh, yeah, I would say that it continues to impress today. It's a romantic love triangle <laughs> with an exotic backdrop, oh. <laughs> and, although it was shot entirely in Hollywood. It, well, it wasn't the only trickery. Ingrid Bergman was filmed using a softening filter and catch lights to make her features sparkle.
0: It sounds to me like you
1: know quite a fair, a bit fair amount of film. <laughs> Just off the dome piece.
0: <laughs> Even though you've not seen it, you've clearly read quite a lot, or are currently reading quite a lot in the present tense. No comment. Well, it's going to be a good podcast then. Alex, <laughs> you, as someone who has seen this film because you actually like films, what do you think? <laughs> I, I like the film, yeah. I'm a fan. I've seen it a few times. Actually, I think the most recent was possibly a year, year and a half, two years ago, somewhere in the last couple of years. But yeah, I think it's really good. I think it's kind of, I think, I think Roger Ebert's some of the best. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I think it does them quite nicely. I think it's a very liked film, isn't it? I think I read somewhere. I don't know if it was like one of the producers at the time. They described it as sophisticated hokum, which, yep, which is yep. a beautiful description. But I think that that was meant negatively, but I actually think that that's positive in my book. It sums up everything about this era of Hollywood. Like, it's aspiring to be something beyond just, like, a film, but it's a bit sentimental and schmaltzy at the same time. That's why it's great. Films from sort of 40s and 50s, still in black and white, still have, like, a... uh, I don't know if it's because of the flickering of the film, but they just feel really warm to watch, even though they're quite cold in (laughs) colour. Yeah, no, I get that. Now, D. Yep. It's okay to feel in a vulnerable state of not knowing. Be comfortable in that uncomfortable. Put the internet notes away. Turn Google off. Take a deep breath. And let me ask you again. (laughs) D, did you know anything about Casablanca as someone who's not watched the film?
1: I feel like I know a lot about this film via pop culture. Yeah. If you're going to mention any scenes, you might as well just tell me what reference there is in The Simpsons to that scene, and then I'll be able to keep up. Well, yes, I remember one very good reference from The Simpsons in particular. I've seen the good ending. (laughs) Yes, the good...
0: Was it the hidden ending or the lost ending (laughs) in The Simpsons? Yeah, something like that. Oh, I've got it. I've got it up here. Sam shoves his piano towards Victor, knocking him down and rendering him unconscious. Then Adolf Hitler emerges from the inside of Sam's piano and is about to throw explosives at them. However, Ilse (laughs) parachutes onto the piano, slamming the lid shut and trapping Hitler inside. Sam begins playing the piano. And the scene transitions to Rick and Ilsa's wedding. But yeah, it, it must be one of the most homaged films of the past. Well, of film. There's probably a lot of people like you who haven't seen the film, but just know a lot of references or a lot of stills, especially that last shot when they're at the airport and there's kind of the, almost that incoming fog. And I think that's been pastiched a lot.
1: Yeah, and it's got loads of quotable lines in the film that people will say and you will know it's a reference to something.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. And I'll probably go on to talk about that. It's quite interesting in that, similar to how you said, Alex, they made a lot more films back then, and I think they just never knew what was going to stick or what was ever going to be a hit. So you'll often get these huge actors because they often had contracts with studios rather than just auditioned for a film or were just picked for a film. You get a lot of great stars like Humphrey Bogart in a lot of terrible films, even though Bogart and Bergman, two of the biggest stars going, were A-list. Nobody expected this film to be any good or do well, which obviously in hindsight seems surreal. Like, producers thought the film was, even then, in 1942, was too dated. There was also such other comments when the script was going around that there is too much dialogue and not enough sex. (laughs) New York Times. Probably the New York Times, yep. Both Bogart and Bergman thought the dialogue was terrible, which is why I also, like D said... I find it hilarious that there's just so many famous lines in it. Like the script is, is one of the things that people often say is the the best thing about it is the thing that stands out. So that is interesting, yeah. I mean, it went on to win the Best Adapted Screenplay, Best yeah. Director and Best Picture at the Oscars the next year. So obviously, even then, a very successful film and has developed an, I don't know, maybe unmatched legacy over the last 70 years. Yeah, Citizen Kane's almost mocked. I mean, I've watched Citizen Kane and I think it's pretty poor. <laughs> It's definitely difficult to watch where Casablanca is not. I think that's the difference, isn't it? Yeah. As, as Roger Ebert pointed out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't point it a bit myself.
0: It, I think it was one of the first of 25 films to go into the National Film Registry as culturally, aesthetically, or historically significant. Mm. And when it opened in 1989, it was one of the first to go in, which just states just how big of an impact this film has. But did people know that there was almost a remake I haven't read about it. I did. I did see when I was doing research earlier there was like a section on a certain encyclopedic website that said potential remake that I did not read. <laughs> How recent are we talking? Early to mid two thousands. Was it going to yeah. be a potentially Casablanca in space? It wasn't, unfortunately. As a callback to Connor, <laughs> too. It wasn't, unfortunately. I mean, think early to mid two thousands. Who's huge at the time? Not in movies. Oh. Not in movies, but someone that's really tried to be in movies before. Robbie Williams. <laughs> I would have loved it. To be fair, I could see Robbie Williams because of the album he did. Now, British in the years. early to mid-2000s, Madonna wanted to remake Casablanca with her playing Ilsa and <laughs> Ashton Kutcher in the role of Rick Blaine. <laughs>
1: <laughs> How early to mid noughties does that sound? <laughs> I hope it would have been set in like the year two thousand as well. So, like, Aston Kutcher would have worn, like, his truck hat and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Still in Casablanca, but there's just none of the
0: uh, of war times. <laughs> so I would have kept Jose Mourinho instead. Hmm. <laughs> All the callbacks. Yeah, Madonna pitched the idea to every studio. And so I, I imagine her going to every single studio, but was unanimously rejected. With one studio executive telling her that this film is untouchable. <laughs> the project has since been scrapped by Madonna. <laughs> Give it up, Madge. Give it up. D, you mentioned it, but the dialogue and screenplay has some of the most famous lines of all time. The six lines featured in the American Film Institute's 100 Years 100 Quotes. That's some good going. Any guesses? As to what they are. Yeah, six lines from this film. D, you go first since you've not seen the film. Play it again, Sam. Fallacy. I'm going to come back to that. That's not a line from the film. Play it again. Play as time goes by. That's also not the line from the film. (laughs) Play it. Oh just play, play it. Play as time goes by. by. Right. Oh, the one that you said at the beginning about the gin joint—that's going to be one of them.
1: We absolutely murdered that one.
0: <laughs> we had an aneurysm halfway through of all the gin joints in all the towns in all the world. She walks into mine. Uh, we'll always have Paris. We'll always have Paris. Yep. Um, and then this is the start of a beautiful friendship. Yep. So, that, so there's two more you haven't got. What about the one where he tells Sam to play it? Because <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think he does say yes. Um, you're a sentimentalist. Uh, no. So the highest ranked quote in the list and number five is here's looking at you, kid." Oh, of course. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> and fourth highest is "Round up the usual suspects." Oh, yeah. And from that, one of the most famous lines, which is often misquoted, is "Play it again, Sam." she's never referenced in the film and it's one of those things that I've looked into it and tried to look and find the origin of this but it's just one of those lines that is incredibly misquoted and I wonder why. There must have been some reference to it. I mean, I thought it was play it again, Sam. Yeah. because I wonder why, why that is. Yeah. But apparently it's just a cultural phenomenon in which everyone just thinks that Ingrid Bergman says play it again, Sam. I always feel as well, though, when people think that that's a line, they think it's Humphrey Bogart that says the line. That's that's what impression I had. Exactly. Yeah. That's also said yeah, um, online. Before I watched the clip of him singing it, I thought it was him. Yeah. He does ask him to play it later on in the film. Yeah, I think he says, if you can play it for her, you can play it for me, yes, or something that's like it, that.
1: similar on those lines. If you can play it for her, you can play it again, Sam.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yes, the actual line, play it, Sam, play it as time goes by, leads to the song, As Time Goes By, which is said to Rick's Piano Man, Sam, played by Dooley Wilson, who is the singer of the song we are covering today. Now, that is a cool name. What do you think of the song, Dee? I'm assuming you have gone and listened to it back since you have never seen the film.
1: I have, but I already knew what the song was Yes. before. I think everyone must have heard this song. You can't watch TV without at some point hearing this song on an advert or something like that. So I think it's quite uh, well known. And it's a good song. It's, it's really nicely done. It is a cover, right? It is. Yes, we'll get into that. Alex, what do you think of the song? Yeah, I like it as well, as Dee said.
0: What I like about it most is the way it sort of captures the main theme of the film. It's very well constructed script as we always as we said earlier and it's essentially about sort of obviously the coldness and the selfish and compassionate Nazi regime and that's what Casablanca is at this time but the heroes of the film sort of so Rick, Elsa, Laszlo and Renaud are sort of all closet sentimentalists or they have this sort of empathy in them that they want to let out and I think that the song is kind of a reminder that those things that they had in Paris for instance with Rick and Elsa are not dead or can never die they cannot be killed by this nazi regime so it's sort of like that torch that burns within the film the song i think that's kind of why it really works it feels like it should have been written for the film some surprised to hear you said that it was a cover yeah it's it's interesting that because yeah i thought it was written for the film i don't know why maybe it's just the legacy that it has and i just kind of because i tie it to the film i see them as inseparable the origins of the song go back to 1931 So a whole 11 years before Casablanca was even released. The original version was by a man named Herman Hupfield. Quite a classic name. The song was written for a Broadway musical called Everybody's Welcome. Now, I'm not a musical fan to this extent of knowing what that is. I don't think it's a famous musical. And I'm pretty sure none of you guys have heard of this either. Definitely not.
1: Is this where you reveal it's like the the precursor to Hamilton (laughs) or something like (laughs) that?
0: The other bit when Hamilton goes back in time it has like three lines on wikipedia so i'm assuming it has not had a long lasting run on broadway in those 11 years before it was used in casablanca there were a dozen different artists across the us that used the song or sang the song and i think that again i'm not 100 percent familiar with how the music industry worked in the us at the time but i think this was also extremely common in that someone would pen or write a song and they would just disseminate it out to as many people who were willing to sing it, and it would just get played on local radio stations, or added to LP tracks or anything. I think it's mostly associated with Dooley Wilson, just because of the film. And he can't even play piano. He's not playing piano in the film, which I'm sorry if, if that's a shattering moment for anyone at home. That is a bit sorry, of guys, a bit yeah. me. Lowering the <laughs> standard of the film. Yeah, he was a professional drummer could play the drums, but I think it might not have had the same effect if he just busted out into a mega (laughs) drum solo. (laughs) Drum solo. (laughs) The timing would have to be sped up, I think, slightly, um, if he had some sort of Whiplash-esque solo. Also would kind of bring into question what was Rick and Ilsa's relationship if they had some sort of incredible drum solo as their song. (laughs) But yeah, Dooley Wilson in that scene, in the famous scene when Ilsa asks him to play the song, He's actually sat opposite the actual pianist, John Vincent Plummer, and just mimed his movements, and then obviously you don't see his hands. So what do you guys, and this is hard question for D, since we have said many times he has not, I repeat, not seen Casablanca. But Alex, what do you think of the song's use in the film, if you remember it? Well, it's when, it's when Ilse first shows up at Rick's bar, is it? That's that's the first time, yeah. That's the first time it plays. Well, it's, obvi- it's obviously a song about them two as a couple and their time in Paris, but it also yeah. it comes mm-hmm. okay. at a point where obviously Rick, so he's requested that it never gets played again I think, doesn't he? And he, and he sort yeah. of hears it playing comes in, and that kind of instantly gives you the idea that he's changed, but he's been changed by the world, the way the world of Casablanca is, that he's become the, the, the sentimentality. Yep, the, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. the sort of, the emotion, the empathy they had with her in Paris has kind of all disappeared at this yeah. point. Yep. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. I disagree. D-
1: <laughs> the best way to sum it up really oh, is that it, it best encapsulates the cynicism versus idealism in the entire film. Yeah, that's what I'm mm-hmm. getting at. Well summarised. Uh, Thank you. You're scratching off another note there, Ben. Uh,
0: well, I'm just like rubbing my I'm rubbing my head. Uh, well, I, unfortunately, I don't do the editing of this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, what what Dee said, that was kind of what I was getting at in a more rambly sort of way. <laughs> I mean, it's perfectly, it's perfectly put, Dietrich. Yeah, it's perfectly put. I think it is the best scene in the film. It's got a weird, and I think it still has this effect now, almost of this time in cinema. I almost use this as like the nostalgic factor. And I think they're using it as almost looking back at better times when they lived in France in the film. I When I listen to the song, it reminds me of that sort of silver screen era of film in the sort of 40s. And I, I don't know, it kind of has that similar effect on me. I don't know what it is necessarily about it. I was reading a book that I had that breaks it down quite a lot. And it talks about the use of the song as a, and I'm probably going to butcher this, but a light motif. Do people know what that means? A light motif, now. It's basically like a sort of sh- short, reoccurring musical phrase. That's usually associated with a particular person or ideal. Oh, okay. So yeah. it kind of like, you oh, know, yeah. when you see them together or something, it might play that song. So if you probably a good example is in Titanic. And, you know, My Heart Will Go On When It's Playing When Jack and Rose Are Sort of Together. And you can, it just kind of has a sort of a, a brief musical note, that kind of... Yeah, or like a chord progression or...
1: Yeah, someone does anything evil in Star Wars and you hear the Imperial March. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: basically a light motif, yeah. Yeah, I think a good example is musicals as well because musicals do this 100%. Whole. Yeah. It's quite good how they use the sort of the piano bars for as time goes by when they're together or when it's kind of the film's trying to break through the almost murky waters that are in Casablanca at the time of war into those sort of more romantic times of what the film's trying to encapsulate. And uh, as much as the audiences at the time were saying, you know, oh, we don't want something too schmaltzy, it just seemed to break through that rough exterior and still capture the heart of what people wanted, I think, at the time. Because obviously this film came out during the war as well. I don't know if America was in the war at the time in 42. I don't know if you guys know. Yes, I think they were. I think they had joined by that point. Kind of has that sort of you know love pushing through more love pushing through you know arduous times, and even though the film doesn't necessarily end on a happy note, despite the Simpsons re-release, sorry spoilers for a seventy eight year old film, but yeah, I just like it, and I kind of feel bad because when I went off reading, and Dooley Wilson didn't have much of a career, unfortunately. He did a lot of Broadway performances and some smaller films around this time, but he was never able to record the song for release. Because there was a musician strike at the time, so people couldn't record, so he never got any sort of money from the song, any chart performance or anything. Apparently, the song was re-released by someone called Rudy Valley,
1: which went to number oh, one. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> God, I'm not being stupid. There. Are you know, actually, this is the first time. <laughs> I couldn't find any genius notes for the Julie Wilson version, so I went through like every single cover version, and that was like one of the main ones that came up after Julie Wilson. The version. I found it had something stupid on Genius was the Billy Holiday version, where for some reason lovers in the line, the world will always welcome lovers, was just asterisk, so it looks like he's swearing. <laughs> <laughs> so the world will always welcome fuckers, I'm going to guess it said. <laughs> I listened to it, she doesn't swear. <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: Back to you, Ben. Thanks, Dietrich.
0: Well, I think the original version, I think there's the Dooley Wilson version in Casablanca is shortened, and it just kind of repeats two verses. I've listened to the Rudy Valley version, and I've listened to one or two others. I don't know what it is about Dooley Wilson's voice, but it's just, because it's captured alongside the film, it's just so much better. I don't know if you guys have listened to any others, but you don't need to if you haven't. Sorry, Rudy, and the Rudy Valley subreddit. <laughs> I know we'll get some angry fans, all two of them. Kind of alluded to this, I think, earlier, Dietrich. Do you know where this song, you probably heard it the most?
1: Uh, not specifically. This is where you say, you say something in like a, I don't know, a Cadbury's Flake advert, and I go, yes, yeah, I yeah right. Uh, <laughs> slightly bigger. Do you know the Warner Brothers opening? Um, yeah, it's this song. Oh,
0: and like oh, well, it's one of those. I, when I when I read this and I was like, "What are you on about?" I went back and listened to it. As in
1: the <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, the bit just before that, yes, <laughs> that was quite good to know what I, I actually understood what you were on about. Then, <laughs> <laughs> for just the random sounds that you just made again, that encapsulate the effects and the legacy.
1: Not just the film has had, but the song. I've got some more buzzwords here from my bluffer's guide to Casablanca, if you want them. <laughs> Go on, D. Yes, please. Go on. Continuity editing. Yep. Anything to say about that? No. Continuity editing. That's what it says. What, with, no other, with no other explanation. This is just the buzzword section for me to
0: drop in. <laughs> <laughs> continuity editing. Did I not mention anything, unfortunately? Is that to say that there's an error in the continuity, or that it was very well done, or... I don't know. I've not seen it. <laughs> this is the point <laughs> of the buzzwords, I guess. Go on, continue. Montage. Uh, is there a montage in Casablanca? <laughs> there's not one that immediately springs to mind. No,
1: there's no workout scene. <laughs> okay, chiaroscuro lighting. Shiroscura. I think you just skip right past that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I can only guess what that means. The mix of genres, film noir and German impressionism. G-
0: well, I mean... Why do we even need to bring our own ideas into this when you can do it with 12 seconds of Google searching? I think that says all that it needs to say. Well, let's just move on quickly. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry,
1: guys, listening to this. My thank you to Nicole Tamer from varsity.co.uk for that Bluffers Guide. <laughs> Is that actually a thing, a Bluffers Guide? To... <laughs> Did you see that ludicrous display last night? <laughs> There's a section for Citizen Kane, Gone with the Wind. Uh-huh. It's, it's just those three. For the kind of circles that you're being involved in where you need to bluff your way through Citizen Kane. <laughs> Down at the Gentleman's Club while you're huffing your cigars. Well, did you know that Citizen Kane was based on the life of William Randolph Hearst, who was reportedly so angered by the betrayal that he tried, brackets, but happily for us failed, to destroy Wells's career? Top five, guys. So, kind of kept it kind of in a
0: somewhat official because I was going through the American Film Institute's 100 years, 100 whatever lists because there's a few of them and i think very fitting with our podcast and what we do here is the 100 songs so 100 years 100 songs and i looked to see where as time goes by came in that list any guesses off the top of your head was it number six no he is in the top five one i wish it was one it comes it comes in at number two and so i ask you gentlemen Thinking 100 years, so this goes up to 2000. Right, okay. So, the song from Fast and Furious 6 is not <laughs> getting VG, on this list. No is it a VGD? Charlie Booth?
1: You'll know. It's not a VGD. Wiz Khalifa, and that was not even the right Fast and Furious film. What are you oh, guys doing? It wrong. It's Fast and
0: Furious 7, was it? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Damn it. So, yeah, five greatest songs. So, you want to from, name the other four? From form? 1901
1: to 2000. Well, two as time goes by.
0: Time goes by, yes, number two. (laughs) We have covered one of these songs on the podcast.
1: Mutt, (laughs) Blink-182. It was not Mutt by Blink-182. Oh, because that was after the year 2000. No, but it wasn't. It wasn't. wasn't, You (laughs) can't even give it that. You can't even (laughs) give it that.
0: It was right when it made the list. It was in fresh in the mind. I I was thinking maybe Somewhere Over the Rainbow might be in the top five. Number one, Somewhere Over the Rainbow by Judy Garland. Are any of them in musicals? Number three, and I think actually number five might be. It's been a long it's, time. It's one of them from The Sound of Music. It's not, no. Yeah. Blame Canada. Clearly you are miles off this day, and you have not seen any film past 1999. <laughs> Raindrops keep falling on my head. No, but you're quite close on a theme of weather. Rain. Crowded house. <laughs> Crowded house. Oh, uh, Singing in the Rain. <laughs> singing in the Rain, number three. Again, D for the fifth time maybe in this past hour, is giving me an aneurysm, so I might just have to go through this top five now. (laughs) Number one. (laughs) But we've done one of them. I've just had to call the ambulance. Unfortunately, I live so far out in the country at the moment that it's going to take about 15 minutes to get here, so I've got time. Number one, Over the Rainbow. Number two, As Time Goes By. Number three, Singing in the Rain by Gene Kelly. Number four, we have covered on this podcast, Moon River. Ah. Oh, Moon River. I thought it (laughs) was Moonraker. (laughs) Moonraker! (laughs) Sang by Jaws. Can you give us a clue for number five? It's a hard one, this. It's sang by Bing Crosby. Oh, White Christmas. It is White Christmas, yes. Some of those songs, I assume at some point, we will cover in this list. I imagine so.
1: Have you seen any of those, Dee? I can't remember what the list was. (laughs) Well, they were
0: all pre-1990s, so you might not have done. You must have seen Wizard of Oz, Dee. Come on.
1: Oh, yeah, I've seen Wizard of Oz.
0: Fine, I'll let him off.
1: So before Ben's aneurysm takes too much of a control over him, let's move on to the ultimate question, movie or song? Let's start with myself this week. I abstain. I don't feel feel it's right for me to pick one. I picked one when we did Butch Cassidy, but only because it was the second week and we were still trying to solidify this idea. Uh, So now I feel like it's embedded enough into the podcast that I can just abstain and let you two have your opinion. So Alex, go for it. Definitely film for me. I like that he's rushing this along so that I might have time to get in my ambulance. And I just want to
0: say, Dee, I, I honour that nobility in abstaining from vote. Thank you. But I might just say song just so you have to do it.
1: Right, so we've actually got one vote each. We well, it's just one of those things.
0: I, I love both the film and the song, but I don't know. I, I, there's something about the song, and, and I don't know. I just love the song and listen to it a lot. and it, just, it, it has such a nostalgic factor for films of that time.
1: Okay, well, if I'm forced then to vote, I have to go on which has had a bigger impact on other things that I've watched, in which case I have to vote for movie, because it's inspired and been referenced and parody, parody, uh, parodied.
0: Parodied. We're, we're two for three on the aneurysm counter? Pari, par,
1: I can't, I really can't say it. Satired on other things. So, yeah, I'm going to have to go for the film. But the song's good too. Okay, so that brings a close to today's very sort of weirdly put together episode. I'm sorry for ruining it, Ben. Our Twitter handle is TSFTMPod, and you can help us out by sharing this on Reddit. Ben, what subreddit should they share it on this week?
0: Uh, Oh, that's a good question. I think the Casablanca sequel subreddit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or rather the Casablanca remake subreddit, which has got Madonna as the moderator. It's just our Madonna. Ashton Kutcher is in there sometimes, posting memes. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Is it called Casa Donna? Or, or does that mean it's like House of Donna?
1: <laughs> it's called, this, what, the, the remake? Yeah, it Casa was uh, Casa Bonita. <laughs> oh, very nice.
0: Casa Bonita.
1: <laughs> but what can help with that even more is actual hard cash. We have set up a Patreon. Nothing's changing in terms of the podcast. It is just more like a tip jar type thing. But if you want to help us out, we'd be internally grateful. Uh, patreon.com forward slash tsftm it will allow dietrich to actually buy some of these films so they can watch them if they're not on netflix or prime can't be bothered so all that's left now is to do some goodbyes so it's goodbye from me goodbye and goodbye from alex listeners will always have the time before you listen to this podcast i like that and goodbye from ben
0: i mean i've not got really anything to say other than sorry michael curtis
1: he cost you 50 pound <laughs> why couldn't you been richard curtis <laughs> you
0: probably did you probably cost me it put me off <laughs> shouting richard curtis <laughs> richard <laughs>
1: curtis <laughs> richard <Curtiz. laughs> if i remember rightly alex got his question right when he once went up yeah and i
0: still remember yeah. alex's question that's how ingrained this is into my trauma that i remember alex getting his jd selling a question right yeah that was my category and i got the question right i remember
1: i've got i've been up twice and i've got them wrong twice that and the capital of paraguay the question I had when I went up was who's was the original actor of V in V for Vendetta? And I knew what it was, and I said the wrong name. I said James Petifrey instead of James Pierfoy. A hundred and twenty pounds it was that night.
0: <sighs> Outrageous.
1: Oh. So anyway, goodbye everybody. Goodbye. Bye. That's why I moved to Norwich.
0: First time
1: I... Yeah. Love it, Anybody call for a wordslinger? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Whoa! I watched Frozen 2. <laughs> My point stands. The Casablanca of 2019. Because <laughs> what a line for the what a line for the poster.